Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that we can gather in your name and know that you hear us and that you speak to us. Lord, we pray that we may be ready to listen this morning. We pray that you may help us to understand what you have said in this very difficult passage in Hebrews chapter 4. We pray that it may be uh, comprehensive to us and so that we can serve you all the more faithfully, trusting you all the more because of what we have learned this morning from your word. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, have you ever been at work and you know that you've got still work to do and you would rather have your head on a pillow and take a rest? I remember it doesn't happen so much here now that I'm a pastor because if I'm ever really fatigued... um, I have my own office and I don't necessarily have a lot of people around, so I can take a break and have a rest if I need to. But when I was at uh, working at Target as uh, and when I was going through uni as a student, there were some very long shifts and they would give you a break, but you could not take your break just any time you felt like. You had to fit in with other staff members, you had to fit in with uh, some managers, and I think some managers just liked causing pain and, uh, and prolonging the time before you could have that rest that you were looking forward to. And I remember looking forward to those afternoon tea breaks, uh, most of all lunchtime, not so much, but those afternoon tea breaks where I'd go out to this little uh, Chinese place and get some noodles every week, and I would look forward to that because I was working hard and looking forward to that rest that I couldn't have right now, but knew I would be able to in the future. And this morning I want to look at the subject of God's rest, a rest that we can take even now. We've been looking at uh, the the rest of God in the last couple of weeks, uh, but before that we had seen in chapter 3 that those who are are unbelievers are punished by God. So we worked through that in chapter 3 of, of Hebrews. And then we came to chapter 4 last week and we saw uh, that there was a rest available to those who believe. The unbelievers do not get a rest. That was firmly etched into our memories in chapter 3. But now in chapter 4, God starts to speak of a rest for belief. What happens for believers? They get a rest. And this week, I want to look at whether we can experience that rest now. When can we get God's rest? Do we just simply hunger for it now and are unable to take it? Or can we have it now? And that brings me to my first main point this morning, that God's rest can be experienced now. God's rest can be experienced now. And I want to show you that from verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 4. If you've got a black church Bible, that's page 1186, and I encourage you to have it open as we work through uh, verses 3 to verse 5 this morning. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, we see that we can have God's rest now. Because we read, Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Did you notice the tense of verse 3 where it says, Now we who have believed enter. It's present tense. We enter God's rest even now. Yes, there is a greater rest that we do not experience now, and that's what uh, the author of Hebrews will start to talk about in subsequent verses. But here in verse 3, he is making clear that you can experience God's rest right now. You can enter into it right now. 
And this is one of the tensions when it comes to the whole aspect of uh, eschatology, last things, and there's this tension of now, not yet. We experience many of the blessings of being a part of God's kingdom now, but there's also things that we're still waiting for. So we experience some blessings now, but then there are things that we're waiting for. And you can have an over-realized eschatology and think that you experience all of the kingdom blessings right now. And so you're constantly thinking, oh yes, I can have whatever God has promised in his word. I can experience it now. I can be sinless even now in this life. But that's an over-realized eschatology where you're starting to take the things that are for later and want them now. Or you can have an under-realized eschatology where you think that pretty much everything that's promised in the Bible, it's really just in heaven. And you can't experience those things now. What we have to do is have that now-not-yet tension. Some things we get now, some things we have to wait for. But here in this verse we see that we can experience God's rest even now. Some aspects of it can be experienced now. Now this may seem like news to you. And you might think, oh, is this a recent development? That God has made available his rest even now? Has it only been since the early church that people have been able to enter into God's rest? Or has it been available before that? Is it just a New Testament phenomenon to be able to go into God's rest even now and to experience the blessings of God's rest? Well, we see that here in these verses, the author wants to make clear that God's rest has been available for a very, very long time. And not just 2,000 years going back to the New Testament, but back to creation itself. We see... With my second main point then, that God's rest has been available since creation. God's rest has been available since creation. How do you know that? Well, the author tells us. What do we read in verse 3? Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work, that's God's work, has been finished since the creation of the world. The author tells us that God's rest has been ongoing since the creation of the world, right back to the beginning. There were six days of creation, and then there's been rest since then. And so, God's rest has been since then. And you say, well, that's just the author of Hebrews saying that. No, he then backs it up with a scriptural quote for us in verse 4. For he says, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and then quotes from Genesis. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. God rested from all his work. There it says there right back in the book of Genesis. God's rest has been ongoing since the seventh day. It's not a new phenomenon. It's not something that came with Jesus, God's rest. No, it's been there since creation. It's been there since the seventh day. And then it's continued through the Old Testament. And that's why the author keeps coming back to quote Psalm 95. Psalm 95 was quoted in verse 3. And then it's also quoted again in verse 5, showing that God's rest has been around since Psalms was written, well, this particular psalm, which is attributed to David. When David was in Canaan, in the promised land, he spoke about God's rest available even then. And so he quotes 
from David's psalm. He says in verse 3, So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Meaning God's got a rest. You don't talk about having my place, come over to my place, if you don't have a place. But God speaks about my rest being current in Psalm 95, when Psalm 95 was written. And he quotes it again in verse 5, just in case you missed that point. And again in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. God's got a rest, and it's been available for you to enter into, not just now, 2,000 years after Christ, not just when Christ was on the earth, but not just when David was around, but right back to the seventh day. The rest was available to Adam and Eve. The rest was available to their children. Their rest was available to their grandchildren and so on, all through right till now. God's rest has been around for a very, very, very long time and you can enter into it now. You might be saying, okay, I can enter into God's rest now and then it's been around for a long time so it's pretty good if you can get into it. But what is God's rest? What does it mean to enter into God's rest? Well, that's my third main point this morning. God's rest is satisfaction in hard work completed. God's rest is satisfaction in hard work completed. God's rest was after creation was finished in being created. And he sat back and looked at it and went, it is good. He said it again and again and he also said it is very good. He looked at his creation and saw that it was perfect and rested from all his creating work. It's kind of like when you do some hard work in the yard and then what do you do? You sit back and you get something to drink and you have a good look at what you've done. When I mow the lawn, I like to do that. You know, you sit back and you go, it looks good. And I get Jill over and say, doesn't it look good? I want some praise there. And we might even have a barbecue so that I can be outside a little bit longer and look at my hard work of mowing the lawn. And I sit there with my ginger beer and think, yes, my hard work is good. And you sit back with satisfaction looking at your hard work. And that's what God did with his creation. He did the hard work of creating it all. Then he stopped, just like I stopped mowing the lawn. And he looked at it and praised what he had done. He said, it is very good. And that's the rest that we experience now. We can sit back, look at the hard work, stop the hard work, and say, it is good. That's the rest we experience even now. And that's the rest that people have been able to experience right back to creation, is resting from hard work and taking satisfaction in the hard work completed. But you may say, oh, well, what's the hard work that I'm able to take a rest from? What is the hard work that stops and that I take satisfaction in when I become a Christian? Well, before you become a Christian, life is indeed hard work. One of the big chores that people strive to complete as a Christian is entrance into eternal life, overcoming their sin. And how do they do it? Religions teach them, you've got to work very, very hard. 
to get into eternal life, to overcome your sin. You have to do lots of fasting. You have to do lots of praying. You have to do lots of reading of holy scriptures. You have to go on pilgrimages uh, to distant lands. You have to be generous to lots of people. You have to keep all these commandments and regulations. It is hard work when you look at other, Christian, uh, at other religions and what they do to try and rid themselves of guilt about the sin that they have, and as they work toward an eternal life that they yearn for, that their heart yearns for, that everybody longs for, and they experience hard slog. You see some people in their religions, and they can spend days and days in uh, confined spaces, praying and praying and praying and praying, and it's hard work that they're doing. It takes great self-control, great stamina, and wearies the body. And that's what it's like before you become a Christian. But even some people, it's not that they are seeking eternal life. They may not believe in eternal life, but they're not a Christian. They may be an atheist, but life is still hard work for them as well. Because what are they striving after? Peace and happiness. They're striving after happiness in this life. And so they're constantly moving from one thing to another. They are restless people. They are not restful people. They are restless. If you're an atheist, you don't have a restful life. You have a restless life as you try and seek happiness in the world around you and you try and increase your worldly possessions. You try and find extra entertainment that will keep you restful. You try and find happiness in other places. You try and get popularity and people to condone what you're doing so that you'll be restful. And I often think this is the case with the, uh, the homosexual lobby about homosexual marriage. The reason they want homosexual marriage to be brought in is because they are restless in their sin and they want other people to recognize that what they're doing is okay and they think they will have happiness then. They think that if they get same-sex marriage in the country, they will be happy people. They will be restful people. But no, the Bible tells us when you keep on sinning like that, there is no rest. When you go against God's word, there is never rest. The only rest that you can experience is the rest that comes through being a Christian. And how do you get that rest through being a Christian? How is it that the hard work that everybody else is doing to find happiness, to enter into heaven, is available to a Christian? It's because the hard work, it's not like it doesn't exist. The hard work has been done. It is hard to get into heaven. But the hard work has been done for the Christian. Who did the hard work? Jesus Christ, he did that hard, hard work of overcoming the sins that you have committed repeatedly in your life and will keep on repeating until we go to glory. He did the hard work of being the sacrifice that atones for them. He did it at the cross and he finished that work. The hard work has been done. It's not as though Christ is ongoing in his hard labor, he's offering sacrifice again and again. Every time you sin, Jesus takes another slog. No, what did he say at the cross? It is finished. Just like God stopped creating, he stopped the hard work and rested and admired his work, Jesus finished the work at the cross. He stopped atoning for sin and... 
God then admired his work by raising him from the dead. God was pleased. God the Father was pleased with what Jesus did. And that's what it is to be a Christian. You can find rest through what Jesus has done. You do not have to do the hard work. The hard work has been done and all you have is rest. And so Jesus is able to invite you to come and have rest in him. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You can have rest in Jesus now because he has done the hard work. It is finished. And so you no longer have to slave away trying to make up for your sin. No, it is done. And you can rest in what Christ has done and sit back and admire that work, just like God sat back and admired the hard work that he had done in creating the world. Now you might start thinking, oh well, that means it's pretty easy to be a Christian, doesn't it? I don't have to do anything. It's all easy, all fun and games. There is no work. But we should never get the idea that God's rest does not involve work. Did God stop working when he rested on the seventh day? No, he continues to work. John 5.17, Jesus says, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. God is still working even to this day, but he's rested from his creating work. He sustains the world. He continues doing hard labor in that sense, but the hard labor of creating is completed. And that's what it means to be a Christian. The hard slog of entering into heaven is done. But you still work. But you're on the downhill slope. It's enjoyable work that you do because all the hard stuff is done. Kind of like if you're at work and you know that there's some massive task that you have to do and there's a whole bunch of little extra things that you have to take care of. When you get the big hard thing done at the beginning of the day, the rest of the day seems like a breeze. That's what it's like being as a Christian. The hard work of getting into heaven is taken care of. You rest from that. Then there's these things that you do, not to get into heaven, but they're easy, enjoyable tasks that you do for God because of what he's done. And so it's interesting, that passage that I just read out to you, what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight has more verses after it. And I'll get you to flip over to that. Matthew uh, 11, page 966, just to make the point that uh, although it's restful being a Christian, there is still work to do. Verse 28 of Matthew 11, 966 of the Black Church Bibles, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Wonderful. I quoted that before. It sounds great, doesn't it? What does he say next? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is there no work for you to do? No, there is a yoke. There is a burden and there's learning that has to be done. And if you're like me, learning is difficult. But... It's easy work. 
He is gentle and humble in heart in the burden that he gives you. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. You have rest from that hard slog of getting into heaven, but you still have a burden to do. And God does give us burdens. He gives us things to do. But they're easy work. They're light work in comparison to what he did on the cross for you. If he didn't do that for you, you would have the hard work of suffering in hell for eternity. That is hard work. But Jesus has done that hard work for you. And so what he asks you to do in this life is nothing in comparison. It's restful work that you are doing in comparison to what Christ has done at the cross for you. So then, this rest of God sounds pretty good. It's available now, it's been around for a long time, and it means the hard slog is done. So how do you get this rest? How can you sign up for this rest? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. God's rest is available through faith. God's rest is available through faith. Now you may say, if you've been here for my Hebrews uh, sermons for the last few weeks, here we go again, Joel is going on about faith again, faith is what he keeps talking about every week. You've got to believe. Do you believe? Well, I'm sorry, but that's what this book keeps on going about, on about. The book of Hebrews keeps on going on about, and the book of the Bible keeps on going on about. So if you want me to stop talking about faith in Jesus Christ each week, you have to convince me to stop preaching from this book and give me something else. This book keeps on going on about faith, so I will keep going on about faith. If you want to enter into God's rest, it is available through faith. And that's what we read in verse 3. He mentions it again. Now we who have believed enter that rest. You enter present tense that rest right now. The hard work can be done. You can sit back and relax and say, I don't have to work on getting into heaven. How? Through having believed, through having faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And rest explaining faith is kind of a nice way to look at faith. Because it links up really well. What is the opposite of rest? Work. I mean, that's what it says in verse 3 when it speaks about God. It says, And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. God is resting from his creating work, which means it was work that he did previously. And what does Christianity teach that you have to do to get into heaven? Works? No. It says that you do not have to work to get into heaven. What is required to get into heaven? Faith. What is faith? Well, Rest is a good description of what faith is. It's a simple leaning upon somebody else and their work. You don't do anything. You trust that they have everything covered. And you just take a break. You trust that they've done the hard yards and you just rest in that. And you see this when children take rests. They take a nap in the afternoon. I see this with my little daughter. You know, she is restful in her cot. Why? Because she trusts her mother. She trusts that mum will still be around while she sleeps and protect her from things. She trusts that mum will be there with a bottle 
to greet her when she wakes up. Whereas a child that doesn't nap in the cot, what is their problem? They don't trust that they will be okay. They're upset about something. They aren't trusting in their parents. And that's what we have to be. We have to be little children in the kingdom of God where we trust that God has everything taken care of and that means we simply rest in his hard work done for us. And so what do we do? We just rest away and glory in what he has done. Remember how God sat back from his creating work and said, isn't it grand? Isn't it very good? That's what we do when we're in God's rest. We don't just sit back and enjoy ourselves doing lots of other things because we don't have to do the hard works of getting into heaven. No, we can sit back and take time to admire the hard work that Jesus did at the cross. We should be glorying in that Jesus, the Son of God, the one who had existed from eternity past, came into the world, lived as a man, and then went willingly to die for my sins. You look at his hard work just like you, uh, well, you shouldn't be just like you look at the lawn uh, that you mowed or hard labor that you've done because it's so much greater than any lawn you could ever mow. But just like you sit back and admire the good work that you've done, you should be sitting back when you rest in God's rest and admiring the good work that Jesus did for you. Every day we should be thinking about the cross and how much God loves us in giving his son. We can rest from fasting and prayer and, and being generous to others and to try and get into heaven. We can rest from that and take time to marvel in what Jesus has done because we have that time free because he's done that work for us. And that's what it's like being a Christian. It's marvellous to be a Christian because you don't have to worry all the time about where happiness may be found. You don't have to worry all the time about how and whether you're going to get into heaven and working hard. No, you can just rest in what God has done for you and marvel at it and tell others about it. Just like I get Jill over to have a look at my lawn. You know, you can get other people. Consider what Jesus has done for me. Isn't it marvellous that I don't have to work to get into heaven? That I can break even now from that because Jesus has done that hard work for me. And so if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I beg you to take seriously God's offer of rest that you can experience now. If you're not a Christian, you will know what I'm saying about the restlessness you feel in your heart, the hungering after happiness that you feel all the time. You can be free from that and take rest in what Jesus has done, the hard labour that he has done, and experience that now and enjoy that even now. Through faith, through trusting in Jesus. I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, do that now. Trust in Jesus today and experience his peace, his rest, even now. And if you are a Christian and you're here this morning, do you rest easy in the work that Christ has done for you? Do you trust that he has done it all? 
Or are you still playing around with lingering doubts and thinking, I just got to be a bit of a better Christian so that I really will get into heaven? Do you still think that you've got to do hard yards to get into heaven? Or do you rest that Christ has done it for you? Are you still restless instead of restful? A Christian should be someone who is the picture of happiness and rest, of someone who is restful. In their outlook to life, they have this peace that they know that everything is taken care of and that God is sovereignly working for their good at all times, even when they have troubles, even when they're hard at work doing things for the Lord, they have this restfulness in them because they know things are taken care of. Is that you, or as a Christian, are you still restless? If that is you, examine your faith, because that is where your problem is, if you're not restful. Because that's how you get into the rest is through faith. And so if you're restless as a Christian, you need to go back to the cross and you need to examine it again and you need to put your trust in it and say, yes, Jesus, you've taken it all. And if you still can't say that, you pray for some faith to be able to say that. If you're still working away, say, Lord, help me to know your rest. Help me to trust that Jesus has taken care of it all. Make me a restful Christian, a restful person. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a God who rests and you offer your rest to us even now. It has been on offer through the ages. Since creation, people have experienced your rest and have had the offer of a rest available to them. And Lord, you still in your mercy offer rest to people today. Lord, we pray that we may indeed rest in the work of Jesus Christ. May we not labour to get into heaven, to overcome our sin, which is an impossible task for us to perform. But Lord, may we rest in you, the God of the impossible, who sent the Son who could and has overcome the sins of the world. Lord, we pray that we may trust that he has paid the penalty for us and may we rest, lean on him and his work and may we sit back and admire what he has done and say, it is very good. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.